Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. All right, please read with me, and feel free to use your outdoor voice, because like I said, we would normally be on the mountain, so outdoor voices are acceptable. Our reading this morning comes from Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 3. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. All right, you'll be seated. I'm really thankful for um, the gift of music God's given Drew, uh, because when I read that scripture for today's sermon, uh, I thought about that song. That song from is kind of really old. It's like it was a popular Christian song when I was, I think, like in elementary school or middle school. So I said, hey, Drew, what do you think? And he said, sure. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I, that was cool singing that song. That was great. Um, I, I love it when new people come to church. It's just something that makes my day. Um, but I also have this phobia that they're not going to have fun or they're not going to feel comfortable or they're not going to be, you know. And so what it really, it really like makes my skin crawl to have storefront church because then all these new people are like, oh, the thrift shop's open. Oh, the coffee shop's open. Oh, what's going on in there? We went and got candy. We're waiting for our burger. And so I'm always like, oh, I want to give them an explanation. I want to make sure that they're okay. And ah! and uh, it reminds me of this incredible story. I love music. I'm a huge music fan. And one of the things I love about music is knowing the story of the artist and how they got to be a musician or how they got to write such incredible songs. And uh, one musician that I love, his name is Gregory Potter. If you haven't listened to Gregory Potter, you really need to. You need to do it in the evening. His voice is like soft chocolate. It's, it's unbelievable. It will, it's jazz. It'll, it'll just, in the evening, with a cup of decaf coffee or a glass of wine, Gregory Potter. But his, his lyrics are absolutely incredible. And so I was so fascinated by this guy and his lyrics that I, I looked him up. And one song that really, really, really got me is this song called Take Me to the Alley. And I was reading the lyrics of this song, Take Me to the Alley, and he talks about what we do to get ourselves ready for the presentation of the king. And that presentation of the king is an analogy. And what is the presentation of the king can be Maybe your mother-in-law is coming over, and so you're working your darndest to get that house the way it is. Or maybe that girl that you like, or, or maybe that, you know, that neighbor is coming over, and you know that they have a wonderful house inside, so I need to make sure that mine is spotless. Or maybe, you know, whatever, but also we as Christians, oh, it's, I'm going to church, and so i got to put my, you know, my good thing on, my good face on, or, or 
the coming of the king, the second coming of Christ, it's like, ooh, i got to be caught doing something good when he comes, and I need to make sure that my house is in order. And what this, this singer says, the king is going to show up, and the king's not going to go into your house. The king's going to walk right past your manicured lawn and your SUV and your golden retriever and your white picket fence and your vacations and your 401k and all the things and your kids going to the correct colleges. The king's going to walk right past that and say, take me to the alley. Take me to the abandoned ones. Take me to the afflicted. Where is the alley? And this song is, I'm getting goosebumps talking about this song, it's powerful. The first time I heard it, I about fell off the couch. I was like, wow. So I had to know about this artist, so I looked him up. Gregory Potter grew up in California in a really rough home in the slums of California. But his single mother loved Jesus. And, he, and she felt that her children needed to serve Jesus. And there was this thing called the storefront church in Bakersfield, California, in the alley. And the alley was full of drugs, was full of prostitution, was full of this the roughest, toughest violence that you could think about. And they made this church right in the alley with a window looking into the really rotten street of Bakersfield, California. And that single mom would make those kids go down and sing music. Sing music for the prostitutes. Sing music for the drug addicts. Sing music for the homeless. Sing. And that little boy, he just hated it. And he would hang his head and go, yes, mom, yes, ma'am. And he'd go and he'd sing with his siblings and his family and he'd sing. Well, you know what that little boy Gregory loved? He loved football. He loved everything football. And what day does football happen on? Sundays. And where was Gregory? Singing at the storefront church in the alley. But Gregory began to play football in middle school and high school. And he was good. I mean really good. He gave everything he had to football. It was his identity. Everything he had, year-round he played football. And then the day came, the day that he had dreamed about. UCLA offered him a full-ride scholarship as their starting outside linebacker. When you're starting outside linebacker for UCLA, do you know what that means? That means that you have a shot at the pros. The pros look at a school like UCLA, especially a starting outside linebacker. But what happened to Gregory? Gregory, in, a, in one crazy tackle play, shattered his shoulder. Everything that makes up his shoulder was absolutely shattered. The ball, the socket, everything. And when he woke up from the surgeries, the doctor looked him in the eye and said, Son, I have some really bad news. Because of the nature of football, you will never play football again. And Gregory sunk into a deep depression. Great sorrow and sadness came over Gregory. But who came and visited him in that hospital room? His mother. And what did Gregory's mother do when she put his, her hand on his shoulder? 
She said what a lot of us boys don't like to hear from our mothers. She said, Gregory, may I remind you of your first calling? You're a singer, and your voice still works. And now Gregory has sung in front of the queen, in front of the presidents, around the world. His albums are unbelievably sold. He's listened to online. He sings all over the globe, right? And I just love that story. And why do I say that story? Why do I tell you? Because I could just sense, and maybe it was just me, and maybe this is just God working on me, and you just get a front row seat, and that's okay. But I could just feel inside me that like awkward tension of this service, of people looking for a mountaintop experience, and I don't blame you. Right? For us locals that are like, I don't really know, this is kind of, all right, I want to hang out with my crew, but then there's people I don't know. For me, it's the people that have that awkward moment where they're standing in front of this window going, is the thrift shop open? What's that guy doing with a microphone in his hand? They're all looking at him. That's weird. You know? It just makes me feel, ah, awkward. And I want to enter it. I want to enter it. And off that song, I know it's going to be hard for me to do because I'm Marcus, I hope to let my words be few with this sermon. So we'll transition into it. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes. You saw it this morning. Let my words be few. And I began to think about letting my words be few. And I thought of two things that happen that make words be few. This is good. These are good. I think there are other things that happen that are not good that make words be few, like, like rage, anger, jealousy, unforgiveness. That also makes words be few, and that's not cool. But I thought of two things that I think are beautiful, wholesome, great, that make words be few. And I think there are two things that I need to work on in my life. Because I have a lot of words. I speak a lot. And these are two things that I think can make our, our words be few. One is knowledge. And second is awe. First one, knowledge. Second, awe. That I think help our words be few. Let me explain the first one, knowledge. Have you ever noticed that when you are extremely close to somebody, whether it be your parent or your spouse or your child, or maybe it's a, um, it's a roommate or it's someone that you work with, a coworker that you're extremely close with, that you, your best friend. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're going on a car ride, a long one with them, neither one of you speak for a very long time and it is 100% okay? That nothing's wrong with that. It's not awkward. It doesn't feel forced. It, no one's mad at each other. But that you're just sitting in the car or at home and it's just quiet for a really long time. I think this is a great example of knowledge. Why don't you have to fill the space with words in that moment? Because you know the other person, and the other person knows you. This happens a lot with me, with my dad. My dad loves to drive. Loves to drive. If you said, Ron, I'm really craving a burger from a burger joint right outside of New York City. I really would like one of those burgers. No, I'll go get it for you. That's my dad. And he loves to ride. And before I had my license, he still loved to ride, and I would ride with him. 
and times we would ride together, or even when I got my license and I would drive and he would ride with me, we would go hours. All of a sudden, I'd be like, well, this is the Vermont border. We have gone from Maine to New Hampshire into Vermont, and we haven't talked. That's a lot coming from Marcus. But why? Because we know each other so well. He's my father. Same is true with Heidi. I've had the pleasure of traveling all over the place with Heidi. One time, we had a 14-hour flight from L.A. to Fiji. We were in a plane for 14 hours. There's a lot of times where she was reading, I was reading, and we were just sitting there trying to sleep, and we didn't have to talk. Why? Because Heidi and I know each other really well. Well, I believe the same is true with God. That when we know Him, and we understand that He knows us, we can rest in His silence, and we can be silenced in Him too. Now, I would be hypocritical to say that I'm really good at that. That, oh, I've got that down. No, because a lot of times when God is silent in my life, it makes me nervous. It makes me doubt. It makes me anxious. But then when I remind myself of the truth of the gospel, that knowing God is paramount, that knowing God is critical, and that when I remind myself of what I know of God to be true, His Word that I've memorized, His Word that I've read, His, His truths that I've learned from Him from creation and from other believers, I then can relax a little bit, and I can be silent in His presence, and I can let Him be silent also when I'm hanging out with Him. Here's some beautiful verses on knowing God. John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that we may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Knowing God is key. And it's apparent that knowing somebody can be different, right? I can know my next door neighbor, I can know Tom Brady, and I can know my wife. Those are very different knows, right? I know my wife. I know my next door neighbor, neighbor. I know of Tom Brady. He has no clue who I am. But my neighbor knows me, but they don't know me like Heidi knows me, right? And we are to know God more intimate than you know your spouse, more intimate moms than you know your children. And that's something on earth we get all messed up. We know God like I know Tom Brady. We hang out with God on Sundays, and then that's about it. We are to know God in more intimately than we know our spouse. Or mothers, you know your children. Philippians 3.8 More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value incredible value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Christ. Paul knew that knowing God, knowing Christ, was extremely valuable. So that's knowledge. The Bible also says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, or the knowledge of the Lord, or the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. 
can also be translated the beginning of knowledge is the respect of God, the healthy respect of God. The next one is awe, right? So knowing somebody can leave you speechless, but being in awe can also leave you speechless. Remember when your first child was born. That left you speechless. You were like, wow. I remember for me, we did not, we did not have, the, we didn't look to see what gender we were having. And so we had Abishai, okay? I'm a dad who's going to have the oldest as a girl. Then we had Hadassah. Okay, I'm going to be a dad with two girls. Then we were pregnant with our third. I kind of just said, I'll probably be a dad with all girls. All right, God, that's all right. And then this boy with red hair top to bottom. I'm not kidding you. He had red hair on his back, red hair on his arms, red hair on his face, red hair on his... He was just red head. And it was a boy. And so poor Heidi was in the bed going, what, Marcus, what is it? Marcus, what do we have? Marcus, Marcus, and I was there... Well, one, he was also purple, because I don't think he was breathing very well. So I was kind of intent watching the doctor do what he was doing. And I was holding the baby while he was cutting the, the umbilical cord, because I was supposed to cut the umbilical cord, but something was going wrong. And so it was like a quick changing of the scissors and of the guard. And, but I was like, this is a boy, and I'm holding my boy, and he's purple and red. Whoa. I mean, he had sideburns. He looked like that 70s show. He had sideburns, right? And so I was speechless. I was in awe. I had a boy, and he was a redhead, you know? And Heidi was like, wow, I've never seen Marcus speechless before, you know? And, and awe, awe makes us speechless. For me, I was speechless when I saw Mount Rushmore because I had an image of what I thought Mount Rushmore was going to be, right? I thought Mount Rushmore was going to be a pile of rocks that someone carved into some faces of some old presidents, that was the size of this building. That's what I thought. Okay, and I thought, oh, we'll go and we'll kind of see this. It's going to kind of be cool. And I thought maybe they'd be like 13, 14, 15 feet tall at the most. Well, if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore, you come around that corner. They're the size of Loon Mountain. No, they're the size of South Peak people. Imagine coming up to something thinking it was going to be the size of the Depot Plaza, but it ends up being the size of South Peak. I was in awe. I was like... What? <laughs> yeah, dude! I remember that because I was with a bunch of college buddies, and we're all like, dude, dude! We're all from the East Coast. We have no clue what Mount Rushmore is. Dude, dude, right? And I believe that's how we're going to be with God, except for I don't think we're going to go, dude, dude! We're going to be on our face going, oh, my word, you real? You are so mighty and powerful and holy. Oh, my word, I went to church, but I had no idea it was like this. And when we understand the wonder of God, the wonder of his majesty, his power, but the, the beauty of his grace and his forgiveness and his love and what he gave in his son Jesus to give of his life. When we come to grips with that, we're in awe and we're speechless. And that's why I think this is saying it in the book of wisdom. Ecclesiastes, remember book of wisdom. Let my words be few. You are God in heaven and here I am on earth. So in other words, I'm the Depot Plaza, and you, God, are South Peak. And I'm in awe. 
because I put you in a box. I thought you were like me. <laughs> so knowledge and awe. And that's wisdom. So my prayer for me and for you is that we continue our pursuit of knowledge of God, knowing him intimately and academically. And that as we know him, we begin to be in awe of him. Ever seen a high schooler who has a massive crush on somebody in their high school run into that crush in the hallway? Ah, I'm a, I got a, ah, you got a, hi, right? They're in awe that they're, you know, or have you ever seen a high school girl run into a celebrity that they have a massive, massive crush on? They get to meet them for the first time. It's like, you know, or whatever they're doing. That's in awe. They're speechless because they're meeting someone that they've wanted to meet for a long time. We are to be in awe of God. And boy, we get distracted really quickly by the bummer out news that we watch in the evening, by the mundane grind of our Monday through Friday job, by the fight that we have with our kiddos over music, breakfast, you know, going to bed on time, not staying at that friend's house, that fight that we had with them. We just just completely go, and we lose the awe and wonder. And they'll just catch you once in a while. For me, there was this beautiful group of folks that met here at 9 o'clock this morning. These ladies over here are double dipping. Way to go, ladies. Right? But there's a group that meets here every Sunday, about 15 to 20 of them. Average age, probably 75 to 80. The mountaintop doesn't really work for them. They decided to gather anyway at 9 o'clock. I was in awe of them this morning. They, they had guitar and they played old hymns. And the truth of the old hymns were sung. And I'm like, I'm in awe of this right now. It was, it was really incredible. So, I'm going to try to let my words be few. So I'm going to just stop and pray. Jesus, we're thankful for your word and its truth. We thank you for being able to know you. That the only way we can know you is through your son's sacrifice. He paved the way for us to know you through confession of our mouth and believing in our heart. We thank you, God, that we can be in awe of you. But we don't give you credit a lot of times for sunrises and sunsets, for births of children and, and, and movements of ministry. So today, God, we're in awe of what you're doing at Loon Mountain Ministry, at Waterville Valley Community Church, what you're doing through Nathan and Eunice over in New York, what you're doing on the mountain in the thrift shop and the coffee shop. What you're doing, God, we stand in awe of you. Thank you for this space and this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.